0: Hello and welcome to Faithbrook Church. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Mike DelGallo and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. If you are a guest joining in, maybe this is your first time, maybe you've been joining in for a few times. Either way, I just want to give you a special welcome today. In fact, I want to encourage you, for those of you who are on site, I want you to reach into the seat back in front of you and grab one of these, a blue connection card. If you would fill this out and drop it off in the offering box as you leave today, that would be fantastic. You could also go to faithbrook.church forward guest and submit a connection card there as well. Well, whether you are submitting a card physically or digitally, two things will happen. One, I would love to personally reach out to you and just thank you for taking time this weekend to join in with us. And two, on behalf of Faithbrook, we would love to make a $5 donation to one of our nonprofit ministry partners, Cross Ministries, just on your behalf. This is something we do every weekend as a way to celebrate new guests joining in because we love it when new people join in. And so I look forward to connecting with you and making that donation on your behalf. Well, a vision of Faithbrook is to be a church who leads people into a new and thriving life in Christ. And one of the ways that we live this out as followers of Jesus is through generous giving. So I just want to say a huge thank you for those of you who faithfully give because your giving goes towards a simple thing, such as keeping the lights on around here and even heating for winter. But another thing that your generous giving goes towards is world missions. You see, Faithbrook is part of a denomination called Church of the Nazarene, and we support missionaries not just locally, but globally as well. You see, Faithbrook doesn't send out missionaries from the church per se, but we send out missionaries through the denomination. So every year, Faithbrook gives 5.5% of its budget towards world missions to support the vision, to see that the gospel goes forth, and we can make new disciples of Christ in the nations. So again, thank you so much for your generosity and your faithful tithes and offerings because you helped to live out the vision here at Faithbrook and worldwide. Now, if you're sitting there and you're wanting to be a part of making the vision a reality, one of the best ways to do that is through the Church Center app. You can download it from your app store and it takes just a few steps to set up. And when you do, you can go to the bottom and click on the giving icon and follow the next few steps. And from there, you can even choose the different areas of which to give to, which either the general fund, or you can even give to the World Missions Fund as well. So again, thank you for your generosity and seeing to it that we can be a church who lead people into new and thriving life in Christ. Well, in just a few moments, we're gonna hear from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, Win the Day.
1: I grew up in a small town in northern Minnesota. And when I was about 13, we moved out of the house in town into a little farm just outside of town. And I can remember my mom was so excited because she was going to get to have a garden. You know, we kind of got excited with her. This is going to be kind of fun. We'll have this garden, and we'll grow our own vegetables, and we'll harvest them and eat them. But what we didn't realize was when she said garden, she wasn't talking about a little eight-by-ten plot. Our first clue was when my stepdad put a plow on the back of the tractor (laughs) to plow up the land in the spring. We're talking acres, we're not talking little plot. But, you know, she she loved her gardens, and she was anxious to show us all how how to garden with her because she was going to depend on the four of us to help take care of this garden. So we went out. She showed us how to sow the seeds, you know. And when you had carrots or lettuce or radishes, those seeds are too tiny to worry about each one going in a certain spot. So she tells you, you put a few in the end of your finger, and you just kind of do this as you go down the row, and they'll they'll take care of themselves. Well, then she made hills for the squash and the cucumbers and the pumpkins, and you have to put ten seeds in every hill—not nine, not eleven. Ten seeds in every hill. Cover them all up, and we waited. But then we had peas and beans and corn. And with those, it's one seed every three or four inches. So we had to be a little bit more careful with those. And then you cover the thing up, and you sit back, and you wait for the harvest. Well, we found out that's not the case either. You have to tend to the garden. And in those days, you watered it by hand, you pulled the weeds by hand. And so every day was a trip to the garden to do our work. We found out that it, it, we had to give every seed a chance to grow. If we didn't, all the sowing that we did would be in vain. So we sowed today what we wanted to reap tomorrow, and then we took care of it through that interim period. Well, I am not Pastor Jim. <laughs> I'm Pastor Peggy, and I am an associate pastor here responsible for our prayer ministry. And so it's good to see you all here this morning. I'm excited to be here uh, with you. And for those of you watching online, it's good to have you this morning as well. And some of you may be stepping in next week and coming back and reviewing the series, but we're so glad that you have followed this series along with us. And hopefully my voice will hold out through this next half hour, so we'll see. But we've been looking at habits for the past week that will help us to stress less and to accomplish more. And it's based on the book by Mark Patterson called Win the Day. The first habit that we learned was to flip the script. We wanna let God change our story. He knows our story and he can help us to change it. The second habit we looked at was to kiss the waves. And we learned that obstacles can either make us better or bitter. And we learned to lean into our faith or into our fear. And the third habit was to fly the kite. And if we're faithful in the small things, God will show up in the big things. Number four was to cut the rope. You know, playing it safe isn't always safe. Sometimes we have to step into the water and take a risk. And so we learned to take the risk. And then last week, number five, we looked at wind the clock, that every minute we get is a gift from God, and we should use our time wisely. Well, on November 13th, 1946, a plane took off from the Schenectady County Airport in upstate New York. It had a payload of six pounds of dry ice. Vincent Schaefer was a chemist and a meteorologist, and he'd been doing these experiments for the last several months, and he had a cooler, a freezer in his basement that he cooled to sub-zero temperatures. And then just like you can do in Minnesota in the winter, you go out and breathe and get a little cloud from your breath, well, he would go breathe into that freezer, creating a cloud from his breath, and then he would inject different chemicals into it to see what kind of reaction he might get. Well, one day, he dropped in some dry ice, and he got snow crystals. So on this day in November, he got into his small plane, and he flew it into a cumulus cloud and dumped his six pounds of dry ice. People on the ground said it looked like that cloud just exploded. And for 40 miles around, they got snow. And that was the beginning of the science of seeding the clouds. And so today, we look at our next habit, habit number six, is to seed the clouds. But the business of seeding the clouds has been around for a long time. And we go back to the story of Elijah in the Old Testament. Uh, Elijah seeded the clouds by praying. And that's one of the most powerful ways we have to seed the clouds. So I have to give you the backstory. Those of you who know me know that you get a history lesson. And so we're going to go back to the beginning with Elijah. He's a prophet in the land of Israel under King Ahab. And King Ahab is not a good king. The first mistake he made was to marry a pagan named Jezebel. And when she came to Israel to marry him, she brought along with her her gods, her pagan gods of Baal and Asherah. And along with them came 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah. And over time, the people of Israel began to worship those gods of Jezebel. And so she she didn't like the God of Israel much, and so she had all the prophets of God killed. Elijah fled, he escaped, but before he did, he warned King Ahab that there were gonna be three years of drought. There will be no rain in the land. And then Elijah fled to the wilderness. Well, God fed him with used ravens to bring him food. And then he met this young widow lady with her little son. And he said, you need to bake me some bread. I need a loaf of bread. And she said, all I've got is a little flour and a little oil. I have enough to make one small loaf of bread. And tonight, my son and I, were going to eat that loaf of bread. And then we're going to wait to die. And Elijah said, well, go ahead and make the bread and bring it to me. She did that, and that little bit of flour and that little bit of oil didn't run out throughout the entire drought. Partway through that drought, her son died, and she's distraught, and Elijah says, take me to him. And he laid down on top of that boy and breathed life back into him, saved that widow's child. Well, now after three years of drought, God comes to Elijah, and he says, you need to go back to King Ahab. And you need to tell him that I'm going to bring rain on the land. And I can imagine the conversation that Elijah had with God. You know that man wants to kill me. He's still looking for me. I'm still hiding from him. And finally, Elijah obeyed, and he went back to find King Ahab. And he told King Ahab, God sent me to you. He said to tell you, I'm going to bring rain in the land. Well, the people of God heard this, and they were all skeptical, They didn't know for sure how that would work out. And so Elijah just said, well, let's have a little showdown and see whose God can light a fire. And so they went to the top of Mount Carmel with the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah. And this was a showdown. And whose God is real? Elijah challenges the people with these words. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God... Follow him. If Baal is God, follow him. So here's the test. Whichever God will light the sacrifices on fire, on their own, is the God. Now this is a 950 to 1 odds against Elijah. Have you guys ever felt like you faced those odds in your life? I have. I mean, it's overwhelming odds. But Elijah can come to the point with confidence, because he's been seeding the clouds of prayer for these last three years. He prays, expecting results. So the people brought two bulls to him, and he says to the prophets of Baal and Asher, you guys go first. There's more of you than there are of me. So they cut up their bull, and they put it on their altar, and they began to dance around the altar, calling on Baal to light this sacrifice. And nothing happened. They marched around that altar and they cried out and they shouted and they screamed all morning and nothing happened. In the afternoon, they just continue this and finally Elijah starts to mock them a little bit. Is he sleeping? Maybe he went on vacation, taking a bathroom break. Where is your God? What's he doing? And they they just shouted louder and they marched faster and they began to cut themselves with their knives and their spears, was what you do when you worship pagan gods. And still nothing. Well, the time of the evening sacrifice came and Elijah says, My turn. And he repaired the altar of God that the people had torn down. He cut up wood and he put it on that altar and he cut up the bull and he put it on that altar. And then he dug a trench all the way around the altar. But then he did something really crazy. He told the people, you see those four jugs of water over there? I want you to pour them all over the sacrifice. Okay, now go do it again. And a third time, go do it again. Until that sacrifice was saturated with water. The trench was filled with water. And then Elijah prays. And this is his prayer. Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel... Let it be known today that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. No sooner had Elijah prayed than that sacrifice was consumed with fire, and all the water in the trench was licked up along with it. Elijah had been seeding the clouds with prayer all these years. He had the confidence that he could pray and God would respond. And what was this test all about? So that the people would know that he is God. And they knew that. And they had all the prophets of Baal killed. So that that showdown on Mount Carmel turned the people's hearts back to God. And then Elijah says to Ahab... I hear the sound of rain. Now that's a bold declaration. It hasn't rained in three and a half years. But Elijah's not worried about plan B if this doesn't work. He is just trusting and expecting that God is going to deliver. I hear the sound of rain. And he goes back up on Mount Carmel and he falls on his knees with his head bowed to the ground in a position of humility and he began to pray for rain after a while he sends his servant go look is there any rain on the horizon do you see it and the servant came back and said nope nothing there and elijah continued to pray and pretty soon he sent his servant back go look again do you see any rain on the horizon the servant came back and said no seven times he sent the servant to look for rain And on that seventh trip, the servant came back and said, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand coming up out of the sea. And that was all Elijah needed. He had enough confidence that God was answering that prayer that he sent his servant to go tell King Ahab, you better get in your chariot and head for home before the rain comes or that chariot is going to get stuck in the mud. Faith, that's what he had. And so he learned to sow today what you want to reap tomorrow. You know, if we're seeding the clouds with our prayers, the key is to be persistent, to not give up. You, know, you may have been praying for something for years, and you're disappointed because the answer you wanted hasn't come. But maybe there was an answer. It might have been no. It might have been not now. It might have been God saying, I have a better plan and my plan is always better than your best plan. Psalm 40, verse 1 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me, and he heard my cry. You know, our job is to pray and then wait expectantly for him to answer. Now, in the first century B.C., there was another drought in the land of Israel. It was a very severe drought, And it was so bad that people were dying. A whole generation of people were ready to die and had the potential, the risk of dying. People had given up. But there was an old sage named Honi that lived just outside the gates of Jerusalem. And he took his wooden staff one day and he went out into the dry land and he began to draw a circle in the dirt with his staff. People came out to watch him. What's Honey up to now? And when he finished that circle, he stepped into it, and he fell on his knees with his head to the ground, and he began to pray. And here's his prayer. Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. Now, Honey was criticized and ridiculed for that brave The boldness of it was unheard of in their day. But as he prayed, rain began to fall. Just a little drizzle, a little sprinkle. The people turned their faces up, and they looked at the sky and caught the little droplets on their cheeks. But Honey wasn't satisfied. He continued to pray, and he said, God, this isn't the rain I prayed for. I want a rain that's going to fill cisterns and fill pits. The streams are going to run with water again. And all of a sudden, they had a torrential downpour. There were flash floods in the land. The rain came so fast. They had to evacuate the Temple Mount because the water was rushing over it so fast. Honey stayed in his circle and continued to pray. <laughs> God, this isn't the rain I prayed for. I'm praying for a rain that is going to... Give your favor, your blessing, and your graciousness. And the rain turned to a steady, peaceful, calming rain. The cisterns began to fill up. The streams began to run with water again. The pits and the caverns showed evidence of water seeping into them. Yeah. Honey returned to his humble home. His prayer was done. The rain that he prayed for had come. And he became a hometown hero. You know, the most powerful way to seed the clouds is to pray. Both Elijah and Honey didn't just pray. They believed that God would bring a miracle. They didn't quit when the answer didn't come immediately. They persisted in prayer. Now, what would have happened if the Israelites had stopped marching around Jericho on day six? You know, I can just see them. You know, this is not a traditional way to win a war. Who's ever marched around a city for seven days and the walls just fell down? This is crazy. We look like fools out here. We've been doing this for six days. Nothing's happened, enough is enough, we're done. But it was the seventh day that made the difference. If they'd given up, would the walls have fallen? You know, in many things we do in life, it takes persistence. You know, John D. Rockefeller, Um, got his first job on September 26th of 1855. He was an assistant bookkeeper making 50 cents an hour. And we know the rest of the story. He became one of the wealthiest men in America with a net worth of about $340 billion. But what we don't know is the beginning of the story, the persistence that paid off. Young John, at the age of 16, got up every morning, left his boarding house at 8 a.m., and began knocking on doors looking for a job. No one would hire him. From 8 in the morning till the close of business at night, he went from business to business looking for a job. He did that six days a week for six weeks. Now, if my math is correct, that's a 36-day losing streak. I don't know if I would have done that, if I would have kept on going for 36 days of losing. But John had a dream. He had a plan. He wanted to make $100,000. And that was enough to keep him going. You know, see, if, if we're persistent in working for something, in pounding the pavement, in seeding the clouds, when the answer comes, we don't take it for granted. We cherish it. It means something to us. And John D. Rockefeller, celebrated September 26th as job day for the rest of his life. He lived to be 97. His other goal was to make it to 100. He just missed it. But he celebrated job day. And the the lesson here is that we don't need to just pray. We need to pray until we pray through, till the answer comes, to keep at it. If we give up, we may quit just before the miracle. Elijah could have sent his servant to look for rain for five, five trips. And I said, well, I guess I was wrong. It's not going to happen today. But he didn't. Even with no sign of rain, he kept praying. He doubled down. You know, we see the clouds by dreaming big dreams, by stepping into our circle and crying out to God to answer our prayers. You know, I, I think that so often we pray looking for the answers we want. You know, and we can't manipulate God. We can't get out ahead of God. We just come and lay at His feet our stresses, our anxieties, our worries, our pain, our dreams, our plans, and then we wait for Him to give us the answer. In Psalm 5:3, it says, "In the morning, O Lord, hear my voice. In the morning, I lay my requests before You, and wait in expectation." there was a survey done of church leaders a few years ago trying to get a handle on what their prayer life was like. And when they were asked to describe their prayer life, they said, well, it's kind of inconsistent. It's probably inadequate. It's nominal. I need to work on it. It needs to be better. And on average, they prayed about 5 to 10 minutes a day. There was only one person in the group that said they prayed more than 30 minutes a day. You know, the majority of people believe that prayer works, but they don't pray. And when you get responses to prayer, you chalk it up as a coincidence. Well, what I've learned in my life is that the more I pray, the more of those coincidences I see in my life. If we seed the clouds, God will respond. You know, Jesus talks about prayer 37 times in the Gospels, and he doesn't ever say, if you pray, he says, when you pray. It's not a suggestion, it's an expectation. And even when he taught the disciples the Lord's Prayer, he said, when you pray, this is how you pray. Um, Jim Cimbala is the pastor of the Brooklyn Temple in Brooklyn, New York. It's where the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir comes from, for those of you that are closer to my generation. You probably remember those. But he has a church that's known as a house of prayer. And I was privileged enough one week when I was there on a Tuesday night to go to their prayer meeting. And I learned quickly that if you're not there by 6 o'clock, you don't get a seat for the 7 o'clock service. It's the most highly attended service of their week. They believe in prayer. And here's what Jim Symbala teaches about prayer. If we call upon the Lord he has promised in his word to answer, to bring the unsaved to himself, to pour out his spirit among us. If we don't call upon the Lord, he has promised nothing, nothing at all. It's that simple. The future will depend on our times of prayer. Now there's a story about a man who died and he goes to heaven and he's getting his tour around heaven and he goes into this building and one of the rooms has boxes, piled high, piled everywhere. And in every box, it says, Blessing for Earth. And he says, well, what are all these boxes doing here? And the tour guide said, well, they're blessings for Earth. But no one from Earth has ever requested them, so they haven't been sent to Earth. Now, isn't it tragic, all the blessings we might miss out on if we're not praying? That's the expectation that we pray. So what's the secret to a successful prayer life. Before I retired from my secular job, I worked for lawyers and physicians. Now, what do they call their work? They practice law, and they practice medicine. Fortunately, enough of them get good that we've got good medical and, and law practices around. But I would suggest to you that if you want to get good at prayer, you have to practice prayer. It's a part of how we get better at it. The more we pray, the more confident we become in our ability to pray, and the more we see God at work in our lives. So I have three suggestions for you this morning on how you might increase your prayer life, improve on it. The first is to seed the clouds with a daily routine. Now, find a time and a place that works for you. Your prayer spot... And go there every day. If you can, start the day with prayer. Uh, And maybe it's just some days you just sit in silence. You know, when we're the quietest, God speaks the loudest. Be still and know that I am God. And I'd encourage you to begin today. If you don't have a consistent prayer life already, start today. Well, you might say, well, I'm not quite ready to make that commitment yet. But if you're not ready, you'll never get ready. You'll be waiting all of your life to be ready for it, because it takes 40 days to start a new habit. And so you do it day by day by day. Can you do it for one day? Can you do it today and go 1-0, and and then do it again tomorrow and go 2-0? and Day by day by day. The second thing that I would suggest is that you take your thoughts captive. You know, when I go to my quiet place and I begin to read Scripture or just to meditate and think on on God, or to pray, there are all kinds of voices that come into my head reminding me of all the other things that I could be doing, all of the other things that seem urgent. You know, when the buzzer on the dryer goes off, those clothes can wait 30 more minutes. You know, I might hear the mailman dropping mail in the slot. It'll still be there in 30 minutes. But you get all kinds of things coming into your head Just get a notepad and write them down, the things that your enemy is telling you to get up and go do. Keep track of them, but focus. You know, it's hard to focus. We live in a world that has so much going on around us that we've lost that ability to just focus in. So it's something you have to practice at. You know, and if you're not sure how to pray, use the prayers in the Bible. Open up to Psalms or to some of Paul's letters in the New Testament. There are some great prayers in there. And just pray God's word back to him. It works really well. You know, you could pray the Lord's Prayer, but put it in your own words. Or you just sit down and have a conversation with Jesus like he's your best friend, because he is. You know, to keep, help me keep my thoughts focused, I use a prayer journal. And I, in that prayer journal, I write down everything that I'm praying about. And then I use a colored pencil or pen, and I write in the margin with dates and updates and how God's answering and what's going on. You know, sometimes those prayers, what you're praying for it doesn't get better. It gets worse. And I write that in the margin, and you double down in your prayer. You know, and then you can go back through your prayer journal, and you can see how God has been answering and working. And it encourages you to keep on praying. You know, and it used to be at one time that I would have to go back hundreds of pages to where, the, you know, I'm still praying for stuff. But I found a, a process that works for me. On October 1st, I go to my prayer journal and I start a new page that says October 2021. And I bring forward everything from September that I'm still praying for. And on November 1st, I'll go put a note in that says November 2021. And I'll bring forward everything from October That I'm still praying about you know there are things that I have been carrying over for years but I can't give up I cannot give up because there are people out there who need me to be praying for them so today what you want to reap tomorrow and then the third thing is to play the long game You know, it's really important that we pray for the urgent, the important, the things that are going on today that really need answers. But you also can look to the future and be praying that long game. What are your dreams? What are your plans? What legacy are you leaving for others? You know, while we're laying up treasures in heaven, how are we impacting the people around us? Now, many of you have children and grandchildren that you can leave a legacy of prayer for. Be praying for their future. I I know a a young couple who, when they got married, they decided from the very beginning they were going to be praying hard for their children. And when their first daughter was born, on that day, they began to pray for her spouse, that God would send her a young man who loved him above all others, that would be a spiritual leader in their house, that would love and cherish and respect her. And as the other children came, they began to pray that same prayer for each of them. And you grandparents, you can pray that prayer for your grandchildren as they come into the world, begin to pray for their future, that God is going to be the center of it. He's going to take care of them. You know, we go back to Genesis and we read about Abraham, that great patriarch. As he came to Canaan, he planted a tamarisk tree in Beersheba. Now, a tamarisk tree takes about 400 years to grow to its full height. And it's got a property in its leaves that soaks up the moisture in the air. And so when you sit under that tamarisk tree, you get shade, and it's almost like a natural air conditioning. Now, Abraham planted that tree knowing that he would never reap the benefits. But future generations will. You know, in our prayers are a way of planting tamarisk trees, leaving a legacy for those who will follow us. Prayer has the power to change everything. Don't be afraid to pray brave prayers, even when no plan B is available. Just declare it and pray it. In Jeremiah 29, it says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. We win the day by seeding the cloud. We exercise our faith by identifying God-sized goals that honor him. Mark, Mark Batterson the author of the book that we've been tracking through says this in Win the Day. The more you pray, the bigger you dream. And the bigger you dream, the more you have to pray. You know, and I think one of the most important things we need to do as we win the day is to enjoy the journey. This is a great, great trip we're on together. As we journey together, let's enjoy it and enjoy each other. You know, Elijah was a man just like us. He had emotions, he had his ups and downs, he had joys and sorrows in his life. And the author of James says this about Elijah. Elijah was a man just like us. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crop. For three years, Elijah didn't give in. He didn't give up. He kept seeding the clouds. And in Psalms 27, 14, it says, wait for the Lord, be strong and take heart and wait for the Lord. You know, and even as we wait on God for answers, our specific prayers, waiting for the, the answers to those, there are benefits along the way. As we kneel in our circle, we develop a deeper prayer life. We learn to live in expectation, knowing that God's blessings are going to be poured out. We watch for answers, and as we see those answers come, we're encouraged in our faith. Then he heard the sound of rain. You know, when your life is about seeding the cloud, faith allows you to hear what God is saying. And as he heard the sound of rain... That was a call to prayer for Elijah. He went back up on Mount Carmel, and he began to pray for rain. So the question this morning for you is, have you had a drought in your life? I know many of you have. I've been there with you in some of those droughts. Maybe you're going through one today. You know, I think we've all been in a place where we just wish life would get back on track. You know, You're praying for an open door, for a job, for school, you're praying that your studies will go well or go better than they are. You might have health issues. You know, maybe it's finances or a marriage that's falling apart. Maybe your family's being torn apart. You've got people that you love that need to know Jesus. You want to go deeper in your own faith. Whatever it is that's bringing drought into your life today, just step into your circle and begin to seed the clouds and then wait patiently for God to answer. You know, and it has to be more than an occasional prayer. When we were kids and we sowed all those seeds, we couldn't just sit back and wait for the harvest. If we did, the weeds would have taken over the garden. Part of seeding is caring for the seeds. It's a habit that we get into. Seeding the clouds daily and waiting for God to move. You know, prayer is ordinary people, like you, like me, calling on a powerful God who wants to bless us. Let's stand as we close in prayer. Father, we stand before you this morning as your servants, wanting to know you better, and I pray this morning that you will teach us how to pray how to go deeper in our faith with you, that we would learn to see the clouds so that we can win the day. And as we go into our world, that you would help us to be a blessing to others as you bless us. Thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are the creator of the universe. You know each of us. You know us intimately. You know where we are in our life today and that we're all coming from different places. Some of us have drought. Others of us are rejoicing. But Jesus, would you meet the need of each heart here this morning? And for those that are listening online, just be present. Help us, Lord, to seed the clouds daily with prayer, to gather with you on a regular basis and share our lives with you so that you can pour more blessings in us. As we go from this place, would you walk with us this week and help us to win the day? We pray in Jesus' name, amen.